podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report as we reflect on events at the Olympic Stadium, or to quote Robin Chipperfield, your Olympic Stadium, as Forrest went down by four goals to nil at West Ham United. It's back-to-back away defeats for the Reds now after the loss at Fulham a fortnight ago. And this late second-half capitulation in East London really has got people worried, I think, that some of the old habits from earlier in the season are returning and Forrest capitulating in such a way when we thought that they turned the corner and, and left all this behind, I think has got people concerned. We'll come on to the game in a bit more depth a little bit later, but the basic facts are Forrest were at nil-nil with 70 minutes gone and then Danny Ings opened the scoring for West Ham. He then grabbed another soon after. Declan Rice made it 3-0 and then former Forest player Mikhail Antonio came off the bench to score and make it 4-0 to the hosts and really rub salt into Forest wounds on the day. I've got Adam with me and we're going to have a look back over this game. Adam, you were at the Olympic Stadium. You went down there with the thousands of Forest fans. Just quickly overall, what was the day like and the experience? It was, of course, Forest's first visit to this stadium after West Ham's move from Upton Park. And what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, when we got there, the getting in was a bit of a nightmare. Um, I think it, it was very similar to going to any event in London, to be fair. You've got a lot of security and, you know, going in, got patted down sort of at the gate. And then when you got to what your turnstiles, you got patted down again. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was a bit long longer getting in. Uh, but the, the actual like, arena, like stadium itself is pretty impressive. Um the one thing I'd say though, it just doesn't seem like a football ground. Like it's an impressive stadium as it is, but from where we were at the top anyway, because we were a little bit higher up, the view is quite it's quite long, quite far away. Like so, it was, um, but it was good. No, I, you know, they enjoyed the day. I mean, you know, you went for a few drinks before the game. You saw loads of Newcastle fans to talk to, obviously for the the game, big game, you know, cup final. We spoke to a few West Ham fans before the game and after the game. You know, perfectly friendly, and that was it. Was a good, it was a nice atmosphere in that sense. But I think the I think the away fans. I mean, we we were definitely a good voice for, throughout, but not as loud as previous away games. And I think, to be honest, the away support is more tentative going into football games. I would say now more because the away form is just so bad, isn't it? So we just don't expect an awful lot and. That definitely sort of shone for a little bit yesterday. Yeah, well, we'll start with the team news anyway for Forest, and it was two changes from the draw against Man City. Serge Aurier is injured, out for a couple of weeks, and Danilo dropped to the bench with Nico Williams and Chris Wood coming in. So Forest lined up, Kaelo Nahas in goal, a back four of Williams, Joe Worrell, Felipe and Renan Lodi. Midfield three, John Joe Shelby, Remo Froiler, Jack Colback. Morgan Gibbs-White playing just behind a front two of Brennan Johnson and Chris Wood. 
in the circumstances, it's probably as good a team as Forrest could put out, and particularly coming off the back of the draw against Man City. But the the way that the game went, Adam, is that Forrest set up with that low block, looking to frustrate West Ham from the off and sitting in deeper. And it, it did seem, even from the early stages, to invite West Ham onto them. And West Ham were were very keen to try and take advantage of that, weren't they? Yeah, I I, I definitely agree that that's probably the best team that we could have put out. Um, the the injuries are hard not to be frustrating because we need to ask the questions, are we just really, really unlucky with injuries? Which, by the way, could absolutely be the case. Or is it something that we need to look at in training? Uh, how we, how the players are training, the conditions at the training ground, the medical staff, you know, is there more that needs to be done maybe from a club's perspective with these injuries? Or are we just unlucky? But the team that was played is probably the best side. I think going away from home with Forest at the minute, it's we are inviting a lot of pressure onto us. You know, we are letting teams come at us. West Ham haven't scored a lot of goals. You know, they've got some good players up there. They brought Danny Ings in to address that issue. But yeah, we did keep them relatively quiet um, in the first half an hour, 45 minutes. And I think sometimes people need to probably realise that away performances in general are a bit like this. But away performances in the Premier League in the first first season back in the Premier League, they're not going to be very... We're not going to go and play scintillating football away from home. Newly promoted teams, as a, as a bit of a rule of thumb, don't really go away from home and dazzle and be absolutely outstanding and pick up loads of points away from home. It's not regular that happens. And the Premier League's such a difficult league to get points away from home. And you can actually see that in contrast with our home form, that how difficult it is for teams to come to the city ground. It's as difficult to go to other grounds, you know, and we have to remember that sometimes. Um, but yeah, the team was absolutely fine. The way that we set up at first, I was absolutely fine with. I don't think there was really an issue. And I think for the first half an hour, 45 minutes, we looked okay at the very least. You know, we looked serviceable. Yeah, and that setup, as you say, was was sort of working. West Ham did have an opportunity when uh, Danny Ings hit the post with an effort. I think a corner was palmed away by Navas, turned back in to the box by Lucas Pacatar, and then Ings, with an instinctive shot, hit the post. But between that and the chance where he put the header wide, they were the big ones for West Ham in the first half, and they, they were both missed. So you probably look at it from a Forest point of view and think, well, we'll, we'll take that. You know, road I look a little bit, but, you know, we're all right. And then Brennan Johnson got away down the right-hand side. He played the ball inside for Morgan Gibbs-White. Decent strike from outside the area. Uh, and it was gathered by Fabianski. But that was Forrest's first real chance of the game. Now, Forrest had two penalty claims in the game. The first one in the first half was not long before the break. Brennan Johnson, he fell in the box after a coming together with Ben Johnson, and it wasn't given. Now, when you look at the replay, it does look like there's contact from the West Ham defender on Brennan's back leg and a bit of shirt pulling. But did Brennan turn a penalty into a non-penalty with his reaction? Yeah. Short answer, yeah. So from our stand, that was obviously quite far away. But from the view that we had, we thought 
Stonewall. We've got VAR as well, so it'll get given. Um, but then I watched it back after the game and thought, it's almost just like falling, weirdly, like falling at the wrong time. Like, it, yeah. it, it could have been a Stonewall penalty if he'd fallen at the time he should have fallen over. Like, I, I know this sounds like a horrible thing to say, and you don't really want to be talking about he should have fell over at this time because that's not the way you want the game to be played. But it wouldn't have been a dive if he had gone over at that point. There was contact. He's entitled to go down. If he had just gone down a second earlier, I think we probably do get a penalty here. You know, and I, I would argue you get a penalty and score it, you won the up half time, the game plays out just incredibly differently. You know, it, it would have been such an important goal just before the break. It would have been. And I think, as you say, it might have changed the course of the game. And that's, again, perhaps where we, as a team, need to make the most of those opportunities that come our way, whether that's taking a shot at goal and scoring or taking the opportunity there to win a penalty, which we probably should have had. But a bit of naivety maybe kicked in there with Brennan's reaction because he does almost take a bit of a swan dive and it and it it looks it just looks odd. When you watch it back, it, it looks like a completely different incident from the way he falls to the contact he receives. But it meant that Forrest went in nil-nil at half time. I don't think that was a bad position to be in at all. And 45 minutes away from a point and potentially more, who knows? West Ham came out in the second half and it, the game played out in a very similar fashion. Jared Bowen had a big opportunity for them. He brought the ball forward, took a shot from 20 yards that was going towards the corner, but it just hits the inside of the post and back out again. And Kalor Navas was beaten. And you felt that maybe Forrest had got away with one there a bit. Forrest responded. Brendan Johnson got away down the right-hand side this one, I thought he probably should have taken it on his right foot and just gone earlier with the shot and committed. Instead, he cuts inside, allows some of the West Ham players to get back and set themselves. And in the end, he, he shoots high and wide. Another moment there where I think Forrest could and probably should have made more of it. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, first of all, the Bowen one was... I, I couldn't see how that stayed out. <laughs> so we were sat, we, yeah, we were stood there thinking, I don't know how that stayed out. We yeah, we got away with one. But, you know, sometimes you go into an away game or you go into any game, really, and you ride your luck a little bit. Yeah, we ride our luck against Man City at times, especially. And when that happens, and when you are riding your luck, you, you say to yourself, it's going to go one or two ways. Either they are, that it's eventually going to go in for them, or we might just nick one here. Like not just but we might we might nick one here. But yeah, Brennan's chance was frustrating. That was that was in front of us and he just I know I'd like to point out as well, I think that Brennan played really well on the day. I think what what he had to do, he did well. You know, I certainly remember a, a touch in the first half where it was it was floated out to him by Navas and he, he almost controlled it round the defender and got away on the right hand side. And it's little moments like that where you realise that we do have such a good player in Brennan, but yeah, I think he played okay on the day. I think he was one of the best Forest players on the day. Um, but with this one, he's just if he if he just has a go, you know, you're on your right foot, just hammer it towards goal because anything could happen. If it goes in, great. If it doesn't go in, you know, you've got players around it that could you know feed off the scraps. As soon as he cuts in, it kills the chance completely. Yeah. You know, he, he's he obviously is right footed. He, he can use his left foot, but 
you want it on your stronger foot. I see why he did it, but that was a massive chance. And in a game where we didn't have many chances, it, we needed to do a bit better with that one, certainly. Yeah. And that's not saying that, you know, Brennan Johnson is to blame for the fact Forrest haven't won the game with the penalty or that chance. Obviously not. But it's an example there again of where Forrest have to make the most of the opportunities when they come their way. Forrest had another penalty shout not long after as well. This one, Ren and Lodi had a shot that was blocked by the arm of Johnson. It was close range, so maybe on that basis you can see why it wasn't given. But again, you, you do see those awarded as penalties, and certainly Lodi was very adamant that it should have been given. But as it was, Forrest again had the penalty shout turned down. And we got to 69 minutes and this really is the turning point in the game. So Forrest were on the attack. Lucas Fabianski came out to claim the ball. He collided with Felipe who had gone into challenge. I think Felipe had knocked the back of his head accidentally. And it meant that we had a delay for a head injury and a quite a lengthy delay as well, actually. Fabianski was replaced by Alphonse Ariola, And at the same time, Forrest made their own substitution. Steve Cooper brought off John Joe Shelby, who I think had had a very decent game in the Forrest midfield. He had a, a good amount of control. He was doing the defensive work and he was looking to get Forrest moving with his passing and his passing range. So Shelby comes off and rather than bringing on another midfielder and, and going like for like in terms of system, we bring on Andre Ayew and go two up top. With hindsight now, I think we can say that that was the wrong decision. But I think from Steve Cooper's point of view, he was looking at the game at 70 minutes in thinking, we've stemmed the tide here. There's maybe a chance that we can get something. So I'm going to put on an extra striker and go for it. But it, it it just completely ruined the way that Forrest were competing, certainly in that midfield. Yeah, I, I think that we, as fans, it, it's difficult because your emotion will always, you know, rule sometimes, especially with football, especially with Forrest and the other club that you love and all this sort of stuff. And for me, it is okay to criticise sometimes. And in this instance, I think what cost us the game during the game was probably Steve Cooper. And that is hard to say, but that that was just, it was such a mistake. And I know it's very easy for us to sit here now and analyse it. And if it had gone the other way and we had been on the front foot and the extra attacker on helped and I who scored the winner and 1-1-0, people look at that then and go, that's a gamble that's paid off. But for me, you're going into a game, the team below you, they need to win. West Ham had to win yesterday. It, it was nothing West Ham had to win. Whereas Forrest didn't have to win at all. Like a point would have been absolutely fine. Because one, you've stopped the team below you getting a point. And two, you've got Everton at home next Saturday, which or sorry, next weekend, which you can you, you'd see as a winnable game. So four points against the teams just below you, I think would be absolutely fantastic. So I would argue we didn't need to go for it. I would argue that if we'd come over nil-nil, people would say, oh, it's a bit boring, it's this, it's that. But it would have been an absolutely valuable point. So the decision to go for it is one that I didn't agree with. And obviously a lot of people around myself were saying a bit the same, like, oh, God, I don't know why I've done that. Like, that's a weird one. 
Cooper's reasoning for it is that Shelby had to go off. He's not got 90 minutes in him yet. That's absolutely fine. That's not a problem. But if that's your reason, you've got to bring on Mangala or you've got to go Danilo and you've got to go like for like. Because as soon as he comes off, because we switched from basically what was a 4-3-3 to what looked like a 4-2-3-1, essentially. I.e. went out of the wing, Johnson went out of the wing, Gibbs White at the 10 and then Wood up top. It sort of went 4-2-3-1. It, what it did was it left a gap in between those three midfielders because you've now only got two. The two midfielders couldn't then adapt to that gap and it just it was so much room there for West Ham to then play into. That's when they got the goal, the second goal, third goal, fourth goal. One thing that is not on Steve Cooper and isn't Steve Cooper's fault is that the players fell apart after we scored, after we conceded the first goal. That's not acceptable. I, I understand that the change in system was wrong. And I, I think Cooper would acknowledge that himself. He's still a young manager. He's still going to learn. He's also a manager that likes to win games and goes into every game thinking they can win. So you can't, it's not uncharacteristic that he makes a change that might get us a bit more on the front foot, uh, front foot, sorry, and might have us in a winning opportunity. So I, I don't blame him for thinking that, but in this particular game, it was the wrong decision. It was called out by a lot of people as a wrong decision at the time, but the way that we reacted after conceding the first goal was embarrassing, unacceptable, and just not something that those players, you know, every, every, any player that was still on the pitch at that point in time is allowed that to happen. Maybe not your attackers a bit more, maybe that's a bit harsh, but your midfield and your defence, they just fell apart. We can't do this. We can't go into games and fall apart so quickly. It, it, it felt so much like the Leicester game away. You know, it's a little bit different with this one because that game was over quicker. We didn't hold on for 70 minutes, but they just went, went in one after another. It was like, the Bournemouth game or the Fulham game earlier in the season where you're just shipping goals and it, it was it was beyond frustrating, put it that way, being in the stadium for that. And I, as I say, I think it was embarrassing, personally. Well, we thought we turned a corner and that this capitulation, we got it out of our system and we've had quite a few games home and away now where we've been very solid at the back and haven't looked like collapsing after conceding the first goal or conceding any goal for that matter, actually. So for this to this bad habit to return is concerning because it, clearly we've still got this in our locker. The first goal was, I think, frustrating as well because Danny Ings is left in acres of space in the middle of the box and he's just knocking the ball home unchallenged. And that was after Jared Bowen, I think he'd beaten Colback and Au, got past them both and then drilled this ball across and an easy tap in for Ings. And then Ings again, what, three minutes later, in front of goal, I think it's Ben Rama down the left-hand side, gets free, crosses it, and Ings just knocks it over the line. It's 2-0, and it's and it's like the game's gone in an instant. And, I mean, the third goal, Adam, I think is an, an example of where Forrest completely went missing in midfield after the change, because Declan Rice is allowed to stride forward with the ball, he plays it to Ben Rama on the left-hand side. Ben Rama gives it in back. And then he's got time, Rice, to pick his spot from 20 yards, which he does well, but he's a quality player. And if you give players that opportunity in that space of Rice's ability, they're going to punish you. Declan Rice was the best player on the pitch. You know, he was phenomenal. He's an absolute Rolls-Royce midfielder. 
he's far too good for West Ham. And I think most West Ham fans don't begrudge me saying that because I think that's probably true. And any West Ham fan I spoke to after the game certainly agreed with that point that Declan Rice isn't going to be there next season, irregardless of, I see if they stay up, West Ham will stay up, let's be honest. They, there's no such thing as a false position in football, I truly believe that, but West Ham aren't a team that are relegation threatened with that squad, with that team. They're just not. They are better than that. But yeah, I think the goals were frustrating, completely frustrating. The what the what the, the first one for Ings, we did the VAR check and we thought because because from where we were, we thought he's got to be offside because he won't have that. He, he can't have that much space in the box. Yeah. If he has that much space, he's got to be offside. There's no way he's onside. Have the VAR check and he's onside, which is like that. That was worrying in itself. Second goal again. It's bad defending. Rice's goal was a really good goal, but it reminded me so much of the Polini goal at the City Ground um, when Fulham scored. Just not getting out to him, not stopping the shot coming in. And if you've got three in midfield, that is what the the third midfielder's role is: is to sit in and make sure the gap in between the back four and the midfield isn't there. And we did it for seventy minutes, and it's it's. It's probably good to establish at this point in time that for seventy minutes we were we were solid enough. We weren't outstanding. We didn't play really really well, but we were solid enough to keep them out for seventy minutes. And away from home, sometimes, especially in the Premier League, that's that's good enough. It's not maybe entertaining for the fans, but that's but that's not what the, it's a results driven business. You want to go there, get a result. But as soon as we change the the antithesis of the game by going, let's just go for it, let's leave that space. Because what the midfield three did as well, and I know you mentioned there about the third goal highlights the midfield three change. The first two do as well, though, because what had happened throughout the game is because you've got three in midfield, one of the, mid, you know, the left and the right midfielder, centre midfielders, were tucking into spaces where the wingers would be. So then you've got a, an instance where that's not happening because the crosses weren't getting in really all game. And then you get to a point where, because you've only got two, they can't both do that role. Because if one of them goes left, one of them goes right, there's a huge gap in the middle. So they can't really win with that situation. So the way that we play and the way that our system works is that the left centre mid, the right centre mid, fill into the gaps that maybe are left by the full-backs going forward or are, or they fill in the gaps just to support. The balls then come into the box. The goals then happen. And it all came from the system change. However, as much, as, like we say, as much as we want to blame the system because the system change was the problem and that was the catalyst to everything happening after, the attitude of the players, the heads dropped, you know, and you see it on them, the heads dropped, and that was like, well, we're not, you know, we're not going to get back into this. I mean, you shouldn't go into a game at 1-0 down thinking we're not going to get back into this because at 1-0 down, you've got every right to get back into a game, haven't you? Yeah, you have. And I think from our point of view, there's a, there's a number of reasons why this is frustrating one because it's embarrassing and it's for sh- and it's it hurts you as well to see your team conceding goals and shipping them like that and getting beaten four nil, not for the first time this season. But also from our goal difference again now, our goal difference has taken a battering and I think we're now the joint worst goal difference in the Premier League again. Whereas we'd worked so hard with the positive results we'd had, we chipped away at the goal difference and made it a little bit healthier. Whereas in the space of 15 minutes, we're now back and that's almost like a point lost. Your goal difference being as bad as that. And that's something we need to be very careful of now because the couple of results, while Forrest 
are not worse off in terms of league position placing results have meant that the bottom seven is bunching up and teams are beginning to catch forest west ham for example now have gained three points on forest so that's where we've got to be so careful that that goal difference doesn't come back to hurt us quickly we'll talk about the fourth goal and Mikhail Antonio, probably fitting that he did score against Forrest in the end. Pablo Fornell's cross from the left-hand side. I think he sold Brennan for a dummy as Brennan was chasing him back. Left Brennan behind with a with a, a check. Crossed for Antonio at the back post. I mean, I thought he was climbing all over Harry Toffolo, to, to be honest. And it probably should have been looked at, but... 3-0 to 4-0. It's you know, they get that's not going to change the course of the game at that point. So Antonio gets up, heads the ball in, finishes, and it and it's 4-0 to West Ham. Forrest had a final late chance when Jesse Lingard, who'd come off the bench, laid the ball back for Toffolo. He forced a decent save from Ariola, but that was the, the sum total of Forest parts in terms of attacking for this game and in the end it finished 4-0 and again we're coming away from a, an away match having not only lost but in this instance lost quite heavily. The post-match interview with Steve Cooper he talked about again how this wasn't acceptable and that there's going to need to be some grown-up conversations this week. If you're Steve Cooper in that position are you almost tearing your hair out at the players and saying, look, whatever the changes are in system, whatever the substitutions, you just cannot collapse in the way that you are. You've got to take some responsibility on the pitch to stem the tide and keep us in this game because there's only so much I can do as manager. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think the, the thing is what happens is, is that you've got a situation where a, the system change that was made was wrong. That's fine. We all... We, Steve Cooper will hold his hands up with those players and say, look, I made a call. It was wrong. Okay? But, and this is what I said a couple of minutes ago, but even though the decision was wrong, even though the system was an issue, you cannot, cannot capitulate that quickly. You cannot concede four goals in 20 minutes of football. You just can't. And that's not acceptable at any level of football. Never mind being in the Premier League. I don't know what happens away from home, but if you want to read the numbers, and it, it's it's bad. Away from home this season, we've played twelve games. We've got six points, and we've got a goal difference of minus twenty six away from home. That it's March next time we play. That's not okay. That's not acceptable. It, it just it simply isn't acceptable that we're in that situation. However, and I will put a caveat on this because I know this is all been very negative and anyone listening to this probably expects it to be negative. We're not going to come on here after getting beat 4-0 and, you know, be playing happy. Families like everything's okay, obviously. But <laughs> if you had said to me that it's the end of February and Forrest has sat 13th in the Premier League, I would have been absolutely over the moon at that. You know, I would have been absolutely buzzing. Yes, you know, we've got 19 points at home and six away. So the balance maybe isn't there. However, 
we realistically at this point need 15 points to stay up, in my opinion, because I, I know everyone's sold 36 points. 36 points wouldn't have kept you up last year. So I, I think 40 is a very safe point. So 15 points is five, you know, five wins at this point in time. We've still got to play Everton next week. We've got Southampton at home. We've got away games that, you know, on paper, we, we might be able to win. I don't know about definitely because I think that's just how it is with us at the moment away. But 15 points in, what is it, 12 games? It's a big ask, but I think we can do that. And I think that all of these problems that we've got this year, it's important to remember that if we stay up, there'll be a lot of these players that do stay. Obviously, there'll be some that go. There'll be a lot of players that do stay. But Steve Cooper would have managed a full season in the Premier League. If we stay up, we've got exactly what we wanted to to have going into the season. Because that is all we want to. We want to stay up. And that, that's what we all said at the start of the season, was to stay up. So if I'm putting the most positive possible spin on this, is that I think 15 points keeps us up and I'm confident we'll get 15 points. I think we'll win next week. Um, you want to hear the funniest part about this? If we beat Everton next week, we could feasibly, considering that Everton have got all the former for Southampton have got difficult games, we could actually be sat seven points clear of the relegation zone. Even after what's happened you know, against West Ham, we could be seven points clear of the relegation zone. <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it, really? And and I think that that's maybe where there's room to, you know, to be disappointed in the game, be disappointed in the overall away form in general because it's not been good enough. But then maybe accept that we're sat here at the moment with what the a top ten home record in the Premier League. We've we've taken points off Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City, all at home. You know, we've got every right that we're going to go into home games and be confident against anybody we play. We've just got to really try and figure out a, a remedy and a, and a point for those away games. Um, and the last point I just wanted to touch on about the game itself, I suppose, was that you mentioned about Lingard there. The reception that the West Ham fans gave Lingard was laughable, personally. He came on loan for six months for your club, right? A lot of, you know... He, he rejected West Ham Forest is the rumour. It might not be true. You you don't know. You don't know the concrete evidence that that's what he did. You don't know that he was given an opportunity to come back to West Ham. And originally when he got back off the loan spell for West Ham, he thought that, you know, he, he might get a, a game at Man U because he'd been so good at West Ham. So I didn't understand that as a reception by the West Ham fans. I thought that was a little bit embarrassing on their part, to be honest. But again, that's they're entitled to that, I suppose. They're entitled to their own opinion. But, yeah, I think he looked bright when he came on Lingard as well, just just maybe to give another slight positive. It's good to have him back on the pitch. I agree. And I think given the injury situation that we have, any players coming back now is a bonus and, and very much needed. We'll leave it there for the moment and we'll be back in a few minutes' time just after this. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. The 1865 Match Report. Welcome back. So just before we leave the West Ham game behind completely, Adam, looking at the way that Forrest set up both at home and away, I don't see too many differences. You know, we look to sit in and keep it tight and hit teams on the break, but our form away from home is drastically different to what we're producing at home. So is there anything that Forrest needs to change or is it just a simple fact that it is very hard to win points away from home in the Premier League? I think it's a mixture of both. Um, it is hard. It is very, very hard to win away in the Premier League. It really is. And I think it's very understated by fans that actually you look at last season's form in the Championship away from home and you think that that's the norm and it isn't. You know, you're talking away from home form. If you want to compare it to teams' home form, away from whatever it might. So Arsenal have got 31 points away from home. They've only lost two and 26 points at home. So they're, they're, they're a bit of an outlier. But every other club pretty much has a much better record at home than they do away from home. Because it it you've just got every you've got your fans there, you've got the pitch that you like to play and all this sort of stuff. But if you to look at the other side of the coin and to maybe sort of look at it a bit differently, is that you can't, in my opinion, you can't go to away games sort of thinking that you're gonna win them all, but you, we've got to get more points. We can't lose as many. We've got to go into these games trying to get at least something out of it. Because if we're not getting anything, if if we if you go away from home, I don't care who we play in this league. People might go, oh, but you want to beat Bournemouth away, or you want to beat Southampton away. Or... No, no, no. So go away from home. You want to get at least a point. That has to be the attitude. Because if we start getting too big for our boots and thinking that we're going to be higher up and we should be going away and winning and stuff, that's not the Premier League, especially to the level that we're at, sort of mid mid table to kind of bottom of the league type you know, those 12 teams down there. Away from home, is it's very rare that you get anything. It really, really is. So we may, maybe need to temper some expectations a little bit um, and realise the majority of our points are going to come at the city ground. They just are. But Steve Cooper's message to the players needs to be a bit more pragmatic in the sense of if we go away, we've got to bring something back. That's the message. It's not we go away, we've got to win. It's we go away, we have to bring something back. I mean, that's maybe the, the slight change in mentality that we probably need a little bit because yesterday proved that Cooper, when it gets to the point of 70 minutes, his mentality is still to win the game. And part of me loves that, that he, he, he thinks let's go and win the game. But part of me then goes, just be a bit more pragmatic. We'll come away with a nil-nil. It's a really good point and it stops West Ham from winning. Yeah, and I think the the Brighton draw earlier in the season is the perfect example of where we went away from home, not expecting to get anything, but we sat in, were disciplined, put in a good performance as a team and got a reward for it. And I think that's that's the away blueprint that we need to follow. And again, coming back to Steve Cooper, we've got a manager there who is still young, still learning, but... He does learn. He He's not set in his ways. He's not stubborn, I don't think. And he'll look at what happened at West Ham and 
he'll he'll want to learn from it and i and i'm sure he'll be determined to make sure that that doesn't happen again so i'm hoping that yes while it was a painful defeat and some and a day to forget for us actually we can learn something from it and, and become a better team certainly on the road as a result so looking forward then to next weekend and next sunday more accurately Forest at home against Everton, another team who are below them as it stands in the Premier League. With a home crowd behind them at the City Ground, you feel like this is a big opportunity for Forest to get some distance again between themselves and the bottom three and win what is essentially almost that six-pointer, to use the cliche. So... How are you feeling ahead of next weekend, Adam? And what what do you want to see Forrest do in response to what happened at West Ham? I think that it's a weird one because a part of me says, in a way, avoiding defeat in games is as important as winning. However, when we say you've got to get 15 points to probably guarantee that you're going to stay up, Games like Everton at home are games that you have to have to target to win. I think a lot of people thought that they would get that new manager bounce and as soon as they beat Arsenal, I think there was a massive overreaction. Oh, Dyche has come in. Everton are going to fly up the table. You know, they're going to stay up now. Dyche gets, keeps teams up. Dyche is a good manager. I like him a lot, but he, he has taken teams down in the Premier League as well. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to stay up because you've got Dyche. I think that Everton appointed Dyche as much for getting them back up next season as for keeping them up this season. And I think that that is obvious, and that case study is there, that they got beat by Liverpool away. Liverpool away is not the, not the fixture it has been, and Liverpool have been very average this year. They got the Real Madrid put five past them. It could have been seven, it could have been eight. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the strongest Liverpool team in the world. And then yesterday they got beat 2-0 by Villa. You know, Villa are a steady Premier League team, but for West Ham, that's a game that they they must have looked at that game before. We've got, you know, we, we sorry, sorry, Everton must have looked at that game before. You know, we're going to have to we need to win this game. So, yeah, for me, that they're vulnerable. They have their vulnerabilities. A Daesh team isn't usually easy to play against, though, and we have to accept that. But we've got to win. We have to win. And the big difference that I do from the Everton game is learn from the tactical mistake that was made. Um, again. You know, we're, we're, we're two lads on a podcast. You know, we're not uh, football managers at the end of the day. I've played a fair bit of it, but I don't think that I, I'm qualified in that sense. But at the same time, Steve Cooper knows the mistake that was made and he'll see that mistake and he'll go into the next game and think, you know what, if I want to change it, let's go like for like, let's just get some fresh legs in the midfield. If John Joe Shelby can't play 90 minutes, bring Mangala on, things like that. The, the, the issue I feel we've got at the moment is... There are issues, there are other issues, but I think the, the right back one's the biggest issue at the moment for me. Nico Williams is a right wing back, and I think the, the difference between a right wing back and a right back is so different because I think Nico's really good going forward. I think he's, he can cross on both feet, you know, he's very two footed, which is great. Um, and I do like him, I do like Nico Williams, but I don't personally think he's you don't get the best of Nico Williams at right back. So he is a bit of a square peg in that round hole. And that is an area that Everton will look to exploit next week. Um, 
hopefully it's not too long for Aurier to be back, but apparently it is what is it three to four weeks? So yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a blow. It is, and I think and I think we do miss Serge certainly yesterday. Having him his defensive nous, even having him like at the back post when crosses are coming in, things like that. We we do miss him, and he he's been a, a fantastic signing on a free, one of the best I've seen in all my years of watching Forest in terms of free transfers. And yeah, it's another example where an injury is hurting us, but that's happening across the team, isn't it? Because we've got players out in pretty much every position at the moment, so we are probably using players or playing players who wouldn't be getting as much game time were it not for injury. Yeah, of course. I think that every look, I don't want to sit here and turn into Jurgen Klopp and moan about injuries and blame everything on injuries because that's football, right? You've got a squad and you've got to deal with injuries. Everybody gets injuries, but I do feel like we've been particularly unlucky. I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know if you ever go on like the Forest app before the game or like the Forest Till I Die app is one I use where it, t- it tells you all the players injured. Now, Man City had one, <laughs> we had 10. <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, it, it, we we are particularly unlucky. I think the the best, the most positive news that you can probably have at the moment is that it looks like Nia Carte is going to be coming back soon. I know we've heard that before, but we've actually got pictures proof that he's on the training ground and he actually yeah. is training. So Nia Carte could be back on the bench for Everton. Is is the report? I hope that would be amazing. Obviously, only Steve Cooper knows the answer to that question. Um. You've then got Yatesy that, again, is back in full training. So it looks like Yatesy might not be too far off. At least now, I think fans realise how important Ryan Yates is. I, I think you can definitely see that importance when he's not playing. Because uh, I, I love Jack Colback. And I think I'm probably a lot a lot of the same with a lot of Forest fans that I really like Jack Colback. But I don't think I don't think he would have expected it either. I don't think he would have expected to play at starting Premier League games. You know, he's a, yeah. he's a last 20 minutes player, isn't he? You wouldn't have expected him to be starting Premier League games. So getting Yatesy back would be great. You've got Kiate, which, you know, according to reports, isn't too far off. He won't be back for Everton, I don't think. But, you know, maybe on the bench or in the fray for Tottenham. So there are positives to look at around the corner. And when we do get some players black, uh, you know, back, sorry, I, I'm imagining at the moment a back four of Oriane, Carte, Felipe, Lodi, and thinking, like, that is, that is phenomenal. That is much better than bottom six in the league, and it really that's yeah. the table top ten back four. It's a quality back four, so we do actually have the players to slot into these to fix these problems. It's just about getting them back, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But for the time being, at least, hopefully Forest can pick points up and certainly take advantage of the opportunities that they have in front of them because. After the Everton game, it's an away match against Spurs, a home game against Newcastle, and then home against Wolves and away against Leeds. So you're probably looking, certainly Wolves and Leeds, you're targeting as opportunities to pick up points. Everton, of course, as we've spoken about. Tottenham and Newcastle, probably more of a free hit. Newcastle at home, well, given that we've taken points off, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool. There's no reason why we can't get points against Newcastle as well. But certainly, Forest have got to find a way of responding now to this result at West Ham. Hopefully, it's going to be like when we lost at Arsenal 
and come back the next week, get a result. Fans are back on side. The positivity's back. And like you say, we could win next week and be seven points clear of the relegation zone and suddenly feel a little bit of comfort again. So it's not the end of the world, is it? As much as this defeat has been painful and and quite embarrassing, if you like, it's not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination. I think on that point as well, I I think you've got to look at it and it's so hard to take emotion out of football, but people that aren't Forest fans could do that and look at it and go, well, actually, let's look at the big picture. We're four points clear of the relegation zone. We're starting 13th in the league. So there's quite a few teams between us and the bottom three, which is always good. Um, we've got Everton next week, which is a winnable game. We can go seven points clear, right? Tottenham game away, let's be honest, we're not going to get anything there. Yeah, I, 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 I'm usually quite a positive Forest fan, but we're not going to get anything away at Spurs. Um, if we got a point, that'd be absolutely outstanding. I, I'm hoping that when we go to Spurs, we play a bit like we did against Brighton and then hopefully just nick a point. That'd be a, that'd be a, a proper result. Newcastle at home, your point is exactly right. That Why can't we get something from Newcastle at home? If we can get something from Man City, you know, we can get something from Chelsea, we can beat Liverpool at home, you know, why can't we get something from Newcastle? So I, I take a point from Newcastle, honestly, but then you've got the Wolves and the Leeds games. You've got to win. If you look at winning both of them, then you you put yourself in a much better position. Come the end of March, I think we'll probably know a bit. I think we'll, we might even know where we are, you know, league-wise or especially after the Leeds game, which I think is what's the 4th of April, isn't it? It's Tuesday night. Yeah. Been re- yeah, so you've got, I think after that Leeds game, you can probably look at it and go, right, how many points away from the bottom three are we? Because if you're looking at something like 10 points off the bottom three at that point, you're not going to go down. Because you're not, you, I don't, well, I say you're not, I wouldn't have thought you'd go down. Because then you've got, what, four or five teams in between you and the relegation zone that have all got to pick up points and have all got to come good at the right time. You know, so... We, it couldn't. It might not even be a. It, it might not even be us that decides our fate. It might. You don't know what's going to happen with other teams. Are other teams going to pick up points? Are they going to put pressure on us? There's so many unknowns at this point in time, and Steve Cooper's philosophy has always been the same. And it's something that, as fans, we need to remember at the minute. You don't get too high when you win, and you don't get too low when you lose. The manner of which we lost was more frustrating. But you probably agree that if we if we lost one nil. And that that first Danny Ings goal was the that was the goal. We went for it a bit at the end, but couldn't get an equaliser. I don't even think there'd be any negativity to that. I think most fans would be like, "Well, yeah, okay, fine. We went, we had a go at the end, couldn't get a draw. You know, it's just one of those things. It's the it's the it's the scoreline. Never a four nil game, by the way. I think that's the point to make out. There's no. never a four nil game, and it's funny because the Leicester game at the same time, a lot of people came out of that saying the same thing. It was never a four nil game. It it just happens, doesn't it, when you capitulate? You just throw in a load of goals. So, look, I think we'll beat Everton. Confidently say I think we'll beat Everton. And then we go into the Tottenham and Newcastle games. I feel like with no pressure on us whatsoever. But there isn't. I, I, that, that is the benefit to those two games, isn't it? Surely the players don't feel any pressure to get anything out of those two games. And if you're in a situation where you don't feel the pressure to get any points, then... That's when you do get points in a weird yeah. roundabout way. Yeah. Like Man City, it, it could play out exactly like that. And they'd be points that we look at and probably think, actually, they're a bonus because we weren't expecting them. But I think, yeah, there's there's reasons to be optimistic. There's an opportunity now for Forrest next week to put things right, get points back on the board, 
and again put themselves into hopefully a, a very decent position in the Premier League table we'll leave it there thank you Adam and thank you as well listener for joining us we will be back with you with our match report after the Everton game next weekend so until then thank you again for listening and goodbye Podcast Network.